So today we're talking about filling your mind with God's Word. We kind of started uh, this talk last week and I didn't get it done, so I really liked it, so I'm going to finish it up today if that's all right with you. We're not really voting. I'm going to do it anyway, so um, just... Hey, if you're a guest, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. Hope you hear something that encourages you. We're going to give back to God now. That's uh, for our church family. If you're uh, visiting, don't worry about it and uh, just pass it by. Um, so uh, this, uh, this psalm we're looking at is Psalm 119. And um, sometimes when life seems a little shaky and a uh, little out of control, uh, we need to return back to what really matters and get our basics right and get our feet underneath us. And one of the ways we do that is by uh, returning to God's Word, is... Uh, yeah, coming back to what really matters, filling our hearts and our minds with God's Word, and, and that's just a basic of Christianity. And uh, so Psalm 119 is written, uh, the psalmist wrote it in a way that it could be memorized, because each of the paragraphs uh, uh, start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, start at the beginning and working its way through, and with that, each line in the paragraph starts with that letter. And so in the English, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but if you were a, uh, um, uh, someone who spoke Hebrew and you were memorizing this, it would would make it a lot easier, which is pertinent to our discussion today, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, So I want to just read the first eight verses that we covered last week. I want to read those for you, because he does, uh, I've kind of broken it down into three sections. The psalmist writes, the first section is, this is a better way to live your life. It's kind of an insight. And, and the second one is, I want to live my life that way. And so I aspire to these things. And then the third section we're going to cover today is here's what I'm doing to try to live that kind of life, okay? And so that's kind of what it looks like. So Psalm 119, if you have a Bible, you want to turn there, it'd be great. Or if you have a Bible app or if you want to watch the screens. Blessed, and by the way, this other kind of life is called the blessed life. And the blessed life is a kind of life that only God can really give you. You can't self-generate blessings, okay? It is a gift from God. But if I live according to God's plan, then it, free, it, it allows God or prepares me to receive blessings from God. So blessed are they whose ways are blameless, talks about integrity, who walk according to the law of the Lord. By the way, reference to God's word is in every verse in this entire psalm, which is really, really long, um, except for verse 7. And so it's all about God's word and the importance of God's word. Uh, verse 2, blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. It's about sincerity. We'll talk about that today. Uh, they do nothing wrong. They walk his ways. You have laid down precepts. So he kind of turns to God. He says, um, you have laid down precepts and they'll be fully obeyed. So this is the kind of life that works. This is a better kind of living. So by the way, we could live for all kinds of reasons. Um, and and, and we, could, we could live thinking that money is the reason to live. The more money you get, the better life's going to be. We could live for relationships, and relationships are going to make me happy, and they're going to do whatever, um, adventure, whatever it might be. But if we want the blessed life, which is the best life, uh, because God the Creator created us to live a certain way, and He's given us a manual for living that way, and the better we understand the manual, the more blessed, happier fulfilled so we're going to be we'll talk about that a little more so the first thing is this is the best life and then starting in verse five he begins kind of a prayer like i recognize god your way to live is the best way to live um and i aspire to living that way and here's some of the things i aspire to in verse four you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed and then in, in verse five oh that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees talks about consistency and number six then i would not be put to shame when i consider all your commands is about living a life that you have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, uh, verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart and learn your decrees. That 
is repeated again in this, in, second, in this next section. We'll talk about that. And then in verse 8, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. In other words, I value your presence. I need you to be with me if I'm going to live this life. So starting today, verse 9, he kind of gives us a workout plan, a spiritual workout plan, a beginner's workout plan. He says, here's what I'm doing to try to, to make those things I aspire to real so that I can live this blessed life. Um, and, and so he starts in verse 9. I want to walk through those today, and I hope they'll help us. So in verse 9 he says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? So he's kind of reiterating, this is the idea. It's kind of a professor. How do you do this? You do it this way. And so he's going to give us some insight in that. So in verse 10 he says, um, I seek you with all my heart. And again, this is all is kind of a prayer to God. I seek you with all my heart, and uh, do not let me stray from your command. So, Lord, I am seeking you. So what does it mean to seek God? Uh, so a lot of people talk about God. Some people use God's name at the worst occasions, um, and uh, others reference God. And, and what does it mean to truly seek God? Because there's a dangerous thing that happens. Um, Seeking God is a, a, a volitional act. It's something we need to do. So I meet people from time to time, and they find out what I do, and then I'm a Christian. Oh, I don't believe any of that stuff. And I ask them why. And usually it's because God has disappointed them at some point. And it usually has to do with a family member who was hurt or something, or, or God didn't answer prayer. And I always want to say, and they and they say, well, God, God would, he wouldn't treat me that way. I wouldn't let that happen, so there's no God. And I want to say, what God was it you thought you were praying to? Because here's what happens. We all have this intuition. 96% of us believe there's a God in America. Uh, so we have this intuition there's a God, but what God is it? So we oftentimes kind of create God in our own image. It just turns out that the God that I believe in likes all the stuff I like and dislikes all the stuff I dislike and never disagrees with me. Right? And the problem is, is that when it says I seek God, it is to seek the true God. Not God as I imagined God, not even God as somebody told me, but the God who is revealed in Scripture. I seek to know God. Because, so when they say to me, well, God wouldn't let that happen, uh, that, you know, that's not a good God. I want to say, which God and how do you know that God wouldn't let that happen? Because the God, the only God, reveals in His Word who He is and what His character is, and yes, sometimes He lets things happen. It's not inconsistent with God, who God is, to let us experience the consequences of our own sin or of the fall, humankind's sin. It's not unheard of. And so what God is it that you... So as opposed to the opposite, if I know God as revealed in His Word... So, for example, maybe somebody say to me, um, I'm really upset with God right now because this is not happening. And I want to say, and why do you think that should happen? And they go, because He promised that He's always be with me. They go, and I go, you do know God. So right now, God seems distant. So now let's talk about timing. Because you're basing your expectation, your hopes on who God is and his character. And that God is with you. And the fact that you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not with you. But there will be a time when you can. And I can show you in scripture how that works. See, there's a made up God and then there is God. And so when it says we seek God, we seek the true God, not to generate our own concept of God or somebody else's. Um, so how do we seek God? So how do you seek any other friendship? There's some important things. You have to communicate, which is what God's word is about. You have to be vulnerable. So I, I just, uh, I was traveling this week. I met a friend. I have a friend who I had for many, many years. And um, it's so interesting. This friend doesn't live here, hasn't lived here for a long time. Um, and it was close to 30 years ago I met this guy. And uh, he and I have nothing in common. And um, 
except that we met at, at an age where we were both looking to make some changes in our lives. And, and last week we were cleaning out a drawer and I came across this letter from him. Really interesting, just a little note really. A really interesting little note. It said, hey, by the way, you've kind of acknowledged that this is a challenge you're having. Uh, I think I can help you with that. And here's something I, I'm struggling with if you would be willing to help me with this. And by the way, the challenge he articulated was an interesting thing. And there's people in this room who kind of have helped me with this as well. So any military kids in here, kids raised in a military family? Yeah, okay. How often do you move? Pretty often? Yeah, preacher's kids are the same way. The average stay for a pastor, I was raised in a pastor's home. Uh, average pastor stays two years. I've way outstayed my welcome here. Um, but you are not getting rid of me, so deal with it. So, um, uh, so one of the things growing up, I never stayed any place longer than six years. And so kids who move often, we're really good at kind of making friends, but it's usually pretty superficial right? Because we know that we're going to be moving in two or three years or whatever it might be. And so I realized at about um, age 30, I realized that I didn't have any friends that I'd known more than two years that I was in contact with on a regular basis. I mean, I've only seen three people I went to high school with. And I realized that because of that, I didn't have to go deep with anybody because they didn't know the real me. I could put on the really cool me for a few minutes. And I was, I do have one, by the way. I knew some of you got caught up there. I just want to clarify. I do. I don't bring it out very often. I realized that if I were going to become who God wanted me to be and accomplish what I sensed God wanted me to be, I needed to recruit some guys, some men into my life who were going to be with me over the long haul. And some of them are in the room today, by the way. Um, some of them maybe watched on video. Uh, and some have moved away. And yet, I realized that. And this was one of those guys that I intentionally set out to recruit to help me through the rest of my life to be who God wanted me to be. And, and, and I have to be honest, more to his credit than mine, even after he moved away, every year we get together for a period of time, two or three days. Sometimes our wives come, sometimes they don't, and we'll just hang out and we'll talk. And here's what's interesting about the talk. As it started in the beginning, acknowledging a need, we have to, at some point in that conversation, get vulnerable about what's really going on in our life. Otherwise, it doesn't, doesn't do what we set out to do in, in, our, in our friendship, Right. One of the things that we need to do in Scripture is we need to be vulnerable to God's Word. So maybe you're reading the Old Testament and there's a character in there. By the way, the characters in the Old Testament are not there because they're perfect. They're there because they messed up. And God used them anyway. Right? Right? What's the, what's, what's the, the principle here? I mess up. God can still use me. I got to make get right and God will use me. Right? And so we understand the principle, but I need to be vulnerable to that and let, let the Holy Spirit speak to me about the issues in my life so I can correct them. I can't read it just as a piece of literature. It is a guidebook. It is a love letter and a guidebook from God to me so that I can live my life, the blessed life, the way he intended me to live it. So I need to be vulnerable to his word. And so when I'm seeking God, I'm not seeking the God of my imagination. I'm seeking the God, (laughs) the only true God. And as I know God and I know him, I know his character. I know what to expect in many ways. And I know who I'm supposed to become. And so the first thing that the psalmist uh, says here is, I seek. I seek to know God. Um, the second thing he says, not only do I seek, uh, and, and he talks about with all my heart, which is about that vulnerability and intentionality about it. Um, by the way, let me just add one more thing for free here. Uh, you thought I was not going to charge you? Oh, I will later for the rest of it, but this part is free. Um, just as my friend takes a responsibility more often than not to to make sure we get together put it on the calendar and he's busier than I am and it's months in advance we put it on the calendar um 
I have to put on my calendar seeking God. Because if I don't put a time in there to meet with God daily, to read his word and to pray, I'll get busy with important things. Right? Example, I put in there, I sit at my desk, I write a letter to God, I, I read it to God, I talk to God about it, I take time to listen and to read his word. But here is a challenge, I'll just tell you my challenge, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you here. Um, when I travel, I really struggle because I don't have that time in my office and that place where I go and that appointment doesn't seem to happen as easily when I'm traveling. Because usually when I'm traveling, I have a full schedule, I'm out of time, I got this, I got the other thing, I'm trying to get this all done so I can get back home and I struggle with it. And so I know that if it doesn't fall in my calendar first before anything else, then if I don't make that appointment and I don't keep that appointment, I am not going to be seeking God. And it doesn't take too many days of not seeking God and my attitude gets really sideways and my perspective is messed up, right? And so this workout plan is get with God every day. Read his word. Be vulnerable with what you read. Talk to God. Just put it in there. It's a pretty basic thing. You got to show up to the, to the gym, right? You got to show up to be with God. And so seeking God is an intentional choice. Uh, the second thing I seek and the second thing is I hide. In verse 11, I have hidden your word, not hide from God, hide his word in our hearts. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Having God's word uh, in your mind memorized is a powerful thing. Now, I'm not good at memorization. I'm not, I can remember weird things like geography. So if I meet you and I ask you where you live, don't be offended. I'm not asking for your address. I'm not stalking you. I can just remember your city better than I can remember other things like your name. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working at that one too, okay? Uh, so I'm not great at memorization. And you may not either, but that doesn't let you off the hook on this one, by the way. If I played, whatever decade you were in high school, and I played a song right now from that decade, you could sing along without even thinking about it. Because you memorized it. Because you heard it so much. You can memorize scripture, just sing the songs we sing. Almost all of them are either quoting scripture or referencing the scripture. You can look it up. Uh, you just kind of look it up on a Bible app and say, okay, where did these words come from? And you're memorizing God's word. Hide them in your heart. Well, why do I need them? Well, they're encouraging, they're uplifting, they help give you perspective and direction. But in this case, there's a very interesting reason you want God's word. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You see, the thing that trips me up all the time in trying to live the blessed life is my urges. I have the urge to have carry bitterness or anger towards someone. I have the urge to think thoughts that are not Christ-like. What is he saying? If you have God's word in your mind, that the Holy Spirit will bring that to your mind where you're about to follow an urge you shouldn't. Because God's plan is more long-term. Your urges are really, really short-term. Right? No? You don't have urges? Inclinations? Is that more appropriate for you? Inclinations? Okay. So, now think about this. Ephesians, uh, in, in Ephesians 5.15, there is this passage, and it says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Take advantage of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, I learned that passage very early on. I didn't have to sing it. I, I remember it. Now, what's interesting about that is live, uh, uh, don't live as, as unwise, but as wise. And I think about that, there was, a, and so every time I think of that passage, because I'm usually about to do something stupid, right? Something that's not smart, not biblical, right? I'm about to think a thought about somebody or whatever. There is this accompanying little thing in my brain from Sunday school, which said, careful little eyes what you see, 
Careful little ears what you hear. Careful little mouth what you say. By the way, it also applies to big eyes, big ears, and big mouths, okay? Just in case you're wondering. You just thought you were off the hook. Don't live as unwise. Is this decision I'm about to make unwise? Where do I find what is wise? Here. I live in accordance with this. And if it doesn't give me specific direction on that issue, it'll certainly help me understand God's character and would God have me do this, okay? So memorizing scripture, the Holy Spirit, so you know, another example, the Bible talks about not letting the sun go down in your anger. In other words, don't go to bed mad. Do you know how many times I've had to stay up late and talk to my wife? Because the Holy Spirit brought that passage to my mind, right? I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to resolve it. I don't want to go to bed mad. I want to be PO'd at you, but the Bible won't let me. Well, which is better for our marriage? Well, the biblical instruction is better for our marriage, right? Even if you have to stay up all night, it's better for our marriage. If you will learn God's word, the Holy Spirit will bring it to you and empower you to not give in to temptations that are going to be self-destructive and, and cause you to not live a blessed life. So the first one is I seek, I hide. Um, so I seek to know God. I hide his word in my heart. And then I praise. Here's what it says in verse 12. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now, I think this is really interesting for me. Um, praising God may very well be a prerequisite for learning. If I really want to learn about, so here's how I think about praise sometimes. Um, praise you, God. Now teach me. So here, there is a way in which we are inculcated to think in the world. Look at your circumstance, look at your finances, measure yourself against somebody, all kinds of ways of thinking in the world in which we live. But it rarely lines up with the way God wants us to think. Last shall be first, first shall be last. You want to gain your life, lose it. It's all these passages tell us that this thinking is upside down, Right? The guy who climbs to the top wins. No, the guy who gives the most wins, <laughs> right? The guy who's the most famous wins. No, the one who serves the most wins. So the biblical wisdom is completely upside down. But the problem is to go from a world in which we think this, uh, a world in which everybody thinks this, and we are tempted to think this, to get back to this thinking, I think it needs a break, and it's called praise. It's just me. This is the first chapter, Doyle. I'm not charging for this. See, this is free. For me, when I come from thinking about the world, thinking about circumstances, thinking about finances, all this stuff, uh, and I'm thinking about purely the way I think, I have to praise, I have to spend time with God to remember who God is. Oh yeah, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is not only all-powerful and all-knowing, but he's also kind and he's loving, and his intentions for me is to give me a hope and a future. By the way, scripture right there. And I know that because it's in the Bible. And then I break this pattern of thinking, and now I'm able to learn what the correct pattern of thinking is. Do you follow me? We need a... So let me give you an illustration. So sometimes people have said to me, you know, I really like, like your teaching. I really like it, but the music, uh, I come after the music. I'm there for the sermon. Well, boo on you. <laughs> is that a phrase? I just made that up. Somebody copyright that quick. It may be famous. No, the praise isn't a prelude or warm-up for the sermon. The praise is to get your head and your heart right so you can hear the sermon, right? The praising God is extremely valuable. We're reminded who God is and how good he is and what he's done for us. And now with a heart full of gratitude and not crud, right? We are freed up to listen, to learn. The psalmist is saying, if I start with praise, I'm more apt to learn. The more we recognize who God is and what he's done for us, the more apt we are to learn. And so we begin with praise. That's why my prayer time, I don't start with, Lord, I feel. I start with, Lord, you are. 
I don't even let, let the little I in the first paragraph of my, of my writing my letters to God on a daily basis because it's not about me and that's why I need to praise to remember it's not about me, right? This is good stuff. I don't care if you like it, you don't like it, that's your problem. This is really good stuff. No, 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 no. Not if you don't mean it. No, it's okay. It's a <laughs> he says, I, I seek uh, you, I hide your word in my heart, I praise you. Um, in order to learn. And then, um, and then I tell. He says this. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Um, it's an interesting, this is a really interesting thing. It kind of sounds like, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. <laughs> how has God blessed me and guided me? Let me count the ways. And what he's saying here is if I am truly trying to live according to God's word and God is helping me do that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up coming out. I'm going to want to tell people because it's changing my life. It's making my life better. So when I was a kid, I grew up in a Christian home and, and uh, I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. And I, I, you know, so I would come across something, invited to a party or do something. And, and I knew there was going to be things happening I wasn't allowed to do. And, uh, and, the, and more importantly, I knew God didn't want me to do it. But I started with it. And I would say, oh, I'm sorry, that's against my religion. What a wuss. That's, that's just wimping out. When I fully, finally committed my life to Christ and wanted to live for him voluntarily and enthusiastically, I no longer said it's against my religion. There was something I knew I shouldn't be doing. I didn't want to do it because I wasn't living the blessed life. I could say something, you know, I've been living by biblical wisdom for a while now, and that doesn't seem to fit in, and I don't want to give up on the good that's going on in my life. It's that simple. He says, I will recount. I will talk about how God's word is affecting me. I, I, I had lunch with a friend a few years ago, and the guy was late 40s, and then I think very successful. And I only say that part because he met with a lot of people in a given period of time, uh, you know, a day, a week, whatever, and had a lot of influence. And he said, you know that sermon he did last Sunday about sharing your faith? I've never once talked to anybody about my faith. And he'd been a Christian his whole life. And you know how there are words, that are, thoughts in your brain that you hope don't get out of your mouth before you catch them? I wanted to say, so you're not a Christian. I didn't say it. I thought it. He might have read it on my face. I don't think we're friends anymore. But um, <laughs> how can you be a Christian and growing in grace and God doing amazing things in your life and not ever bring it up? I'm not talking about laying down the four spiritual laws for somebody or drawing the thing with the gap in the middle. And the, you don't have to do any of that stuff. I mean, if you get to, it's great. What a privilege. But just saying something like, I have to tell you, I know you don't believe in God, and I don't even buy any of the religious stuff I do, but I gotta tell you, I've been reading several times, and it seems like I'm supposed to deal with this issue in my life. I'm supposed to stop complaining so much. I'm supposed to stop something. Would you, I know you don't believe in God, but you know me, I'm here. I need your help. Could you help me live up to what I'm aspiring to and to not do that behavior? Like, let, I don't know, let's just choose a weird one, like gossip. Oh, it's a sin, you didn't know that. No, it is, yeah. Somebody told me that. It is. It's a sin. <laughs> it worked better in the first service, I'm just saying. But, <laughs> but they weren't hungry for lunch, so okay. Can you imagine? So that person you've been so afraid to talk to about faith, what if you just said, hey, I'm trying to live a, a different kind of life. It's called a blessed life. I'm just experimenting with it. I'm trying to do it. And, and I just feel like in my reading of Scripture, I'm supposed to stop gossiping. And I know you don't believe in God or anything, but would you as my friend just hold me accountable to that? And 
just not forever, just for the next week, because I might break out in a rash, we go more than a week, but just a week. What a great way to start a conversation. I will recount the things I'm learning. What are you learning? So that, you know, we're assuming we're learning something, which if you're reading God's word, I guarantee you will. And we're learning something, working on something, and we're growing, and just mentioning that can be a powerful opportunity to not only affirm what you're doing um, in your growth, but helping someone else maybe be introduced to a different kind of life, a blessed kind of life. Um, He says, I'll recount it. And then he says in verse um, 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in good riches. Now that's an interesting thing because he says, I rejoice about as he says, understanding and following the blessed life is like winning the lottery. That's what he says. So many times in my life, maybe you, you do this, I, okay, I got to read the Bible now. I need to get this. He's saying, no, once you begin to read it and you begin to live according to God's plan for your life, it's like you found money or something even more valuable. Rejoicing. What a powerful thing to, to rejoice. By the way, this word rejoice, if you do a little study on the etymology of the word rejoice in Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament, it's an interesting thing because it's not just an emotion. By the way, they rejoice with emotion. There was emotion. They rejoiced at times. Oh, something great happened. Yay! But it was more than that. It was more than a response to an external stimuli. Uh, it was actually a character quality. As a matter of fact, if you understand Scripture, Scripture says that you should be, we should be, those of us who are following God, those of us who know Jesus should be rejoicers. I don't know if it's a word. It is now. I have a friend, and she may be here today. I don't know. I haven't asked her permission, but I've known her long enough. She'll forgive me. Um, And uh, been through some tough stuff in her life. And I don't know if it was a sermon of mine or something she read. I'm not sure. Uh, It doesn't matter. But one of her Christian mantras, if you will, one of her reminders is, um, I will choose joy. This is a person who's lost a lot in their life, who's been through tough stuff. Their life is not easier than yours. In many ways, it's probably hard. And yet, I will choose joy. Today, I will choose joy. I'll get up tomorrow, I'll choose joy again. We can choose joy. The Apostle Paul says that joy is, is unrelated to your circumstances. He says, even in suffering, you can rejoice. Well, that's just sick. No, it's not at all. Even if you're going through something bad right now, you know Jesus, you know the outcomes, you know where you're going to spend eternity, you can still rejoice. If the kingdom is going forward and you're safe in his hands, rejoice. <coughs> it doesn't mean you have to live in denial. When it says that we, we are to rejoice, rejoice in following your statutes. Rejoicing is a choice, and it's a character quality, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit in our life, to have joy, to rejoice. How interesting. So we can choose to make that. Wouldn't it be great if we were known more as rejoicers than complainers? Wouldn't that impact our family in incredible ways? You know, my parents, they were rejoicers, man. They just chose joy. We had to deal with some hard things, but in the midst of it, they trusted Jesus, and they chose joy. As opposed to, I can never please my parents. They always found something wrong. 
You see, these have implications. God's word has implications for everything in our life. Learning to rejoice, even rejoicing over the little wins. I, I spoke at CR a couple weeks ago. Weird night, by the way. I was at CR, and I have a friend who's going through something, and it just fell on me. You know what I'm saying? It just felt so heavy. I started crying, like as I'm talking, I started crying. And, and you know I only cry at big offerings, right? So that was weird. So <laughs> I haven't cried much lately. I'm just saying. <laughs> just Seriously. Anyway, so this interesting thing after I got done, I just felt like the biggest crybaby. I don't know what that was about. And my friend is really, in, I think, in trouble that weekend, and it was just heavy on me. And it needed to be in that room, I think, is what was hitting me. It just needed to be in that room because of some stuff. And but if you don't know what CR is, CR is a group that meets here every Friday night, and uh, they're the people who want to get real and get better. And uh, and I really believe in them. Yeah. And uh, there's there's not a more honest sincere group on this campus. You talk about seeking God with all your heart. The people in CR are there and they're real and they're doing it. And so I got done with my crybaby presentation and I sat down and they started handing out chips and people would get up and talk about how long they'd been sober, how long they'd been clean. But it wasn't just that. That wasn't even the majority. The majority was I've gone a week without bitterness. I've gone, a, I've gone X amount of time without porn. I've gone X amount of time without, without giving in to whatever that particular urge was. And they just one after another. And then some groups got up who had just finished a 12-step study. And, uh, and there was men's groups, women's groups. And when the men were done, they would say, ah, and then they'd all get fives, bump chests and hug. It was real. It was celebration for real change. We celebrate silly things like scores of ball games and stuff. It, but these guys were celebrating. These women were celebrating real change because they're following God's word. See, that's worth it. So here's what I want to challenge you. If you find something that God's word points out, like you're going to need to not be bitter for a week or complain for a week. Or so, you, at the end of the week, give yourself a celebration. I did a week without bitterness. Yay! You might even try a second week. <laughs> I will rejoice. Powerful thing. What are you rejoicing in that you've learned from God's word? because you can be guaranteed it's worth rejoicing if you're learning something and following through on it. And then I will meditate, he says. And, uh, and meditate may not be what, what you think it is, but meditation is about just giving concentrated thought to. He says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. And it just means, it just, you ever hear somebody say, in the Midwest is kind of a common phrase, especially among farmers, oh, let me chew on that. You ever hear that phrase? You ever think about where it comes from? Cows? You know, cows eat something several times. You know that? I know it's almost lunchtime. And I apologize. If anybody's having hay for lunch, I'm sorry. But <laughs> they will chew on the grass or the hay several times to make sure that they squeeze. They bring it back up and chew the cud, they call it. Chew it again to get all the nutrition out of it. And I know that's kind of graphic. But that's what to do with God's word. We're to chew on it till we get all the spiritual nutrition out of that thing. So, for example, you ever watch a really good movie, like a really, really, it really draws you in? Do you find yourself thinking about that the whole next day? No? Just me. Okay. It's a good illustration for me then. Wouldn't it be great if instead of just a movie capturing my imagination, it was God's word that captured my imagination? And thinking about that passage throughout the day, what did that mean to those people it was written to? What, what principle can carry over from then till now? How do I make application of this? And if I make applications, I start living this out. What are the implications? Like I told you just a moment about your kids. If you're a rejoicer, there are implications that go far beyond what you imagine. 
that's what to meditate. Meditating is emptying your mind and humming. It is about thinking about a passage and what would God want me to learn from this? What can I squeeze? What can I chew out of this? That's meditation. As we do that, we own that passage going forward. You'll never again hear that passage and not have a thought about it. Oh, I remember the time I meditated on that and I learned this. You might even get to use it by telling someone about it at some point, therefore recounting. Okay, last one. And I think this is just wonderful and I'll be done. Um, is I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I delight. I, I, I did the etymology on this word as well, delight. And it means a high degree of gratification, extreme satisfaction. So I think the Rolling Stones were theologically right when they wrote the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. The Rolling Stones, uh, for some of you, was a band. Um, <laughs> they're now very old, ugly men. But, um, <laughs> um, but if you'd done what they've done, you wouldn't look what they're doing. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, at the end of the day, reading God's word and living accordingly with God's help is the most fulfilling thing I can do. If you really think about life, there aren't very many things that are very satisfying for very long. We're all looking for fulfillment. And what he's saying is reading God's word and living accordingly will fill you up like nothing else like money can't, like relationships can't, like adventure can't. Following God's word, being in this relationship where you're learning from God's word is fulfilling. So if you want to live a hashtag blessed life, this is how you do it. Let's pray. Lord God, I love you. I thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word to try to serve a God who we're just imagining what you might want or what you might be like is absurd. And yet so many of us fall into that. When you have given us a love letter to tell us how much you love us and you've given us a manual to tell us how to move forward, Lord, help us learn to value, to delight in, to take joy in reading your word and doing what you teach us through it. And Lord God, if we'll do that, we will not be blown around by every, every wind and, that comes along, every philosophy that is blown by, and we will be solid and strong in our knowledge of you and live a fulfilled life. And that's what we desire. Bless us now, Lord, as we follow you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.